Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. So today I've dragged into this my clinic um, someone called John Sterling, who's the technical director of a company called BioNutri, who I've known for around about a year or so and he's got a brain bigger than most planets and is super knowledgeable about most things so I'm really delighted to have you here today thanks John thank you so one of the things that you're really doing a lot of research and writing a book about is about anti-aging which is something that's as you were saying before we recorded has been around for a long time but it's becoming really topical now Um, and there's all sorts of different anti-aging treatments and different remedies and even different ways of eating different ways of living some of them seem quite far-fetched some of them seem realistic so it would be really interesting just to pick your brains for the next 20 minutes or so if that's possible yeah you're welcome so tell me a bit about your background and why you're interested in anti-aging Self-interest, I don't want to get old. (laughs) (laughs) As simple as that. (laughs) No, um, it was something that fascinated me when I was a kid. Mm. Oddly enough, I saw a movie called The Picture of Dorian Gray. Yes. And as a young kid, it was really impressionable. I thought, oh, it's fantastic. This guy is staying young, but his picture's getting old in the attic. And um, it was that kind of fascination I think it grew from that Mm. and I I just sort of gravitated towards biology that was one of my as a young kid Mm. my father was a pharmacist my uncles were doctors and so it was in the family but uh, I had more interest in uh, biology Mm. and chemistry and you know it was just carried on from that and really the turning point was when I was diagnosed with cancer when I was young Because how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 29. Mm. And uh, to be diagnosed with cancer at 29. And it was a disease I always considered to be something that affected old people, Mm. not young people, Mm. always old people. Uh, But to cut a whole story short, I ended up in Germany Mm. at an experimental hospital using immunotherapy. And uh, because of my background, time when I was diagnosed, I was actually doing environmental science uh, and applied science diploma. So the doctor, the head doctor of the hospital, saw my interest in his work, started to talk to me and I got into the whole thing and he offered me a job in the hospital. Initially it was sweeping the floors. (laughs) (laughs) No, it wasn't. And so I worked in a laboratory. I was doing blood chemistry and urine analysis and mm. what have you on a daily basis in the end I started lecturing to uh, patients that were coming in from overseas right like yourself getting yeah. people coming from all over and um, and talking about the treatment the regime and what have you but one of the interesting things I noted when I was there that people who underwent the treatment particularly the hypothermia and fever treatments or high temperature treatments mm. and so on and the biological preparations that they were using to treat the patients start to look younger. 
You know, and if you consider the cancer, generally speaking, is a disease of old age, Mm. except for my uh, case when I was 29, there was something that fascinated me again. It grabbed a hold of me and sort of took me back to this Mm. whole thing about anti-aging. So it was a whole sequence of events from, Mm. you know, from a young kid seeing a movie to being diagnosed with cancer to ending up in Germany. Yes. working there and seeing the results, the end result. Yes. And then just take you back to the immunotherapy that you had then. What is that? What does that mean? Well, people think of immunotherapy more in current thoughts. In those days, keeping in mind this is quite a long time ago, so I'm showing my age now, (laughs) it was embryonic. Mm. It was crude vaccines, making crude autogenous vaccines from the patient's own blood mm-hmm. and their own tumour. So it's trying to get the body to fight against yeah. the tumour from within. Yeah, ab- yeah. absolutely. It was, and, of course, hypothermia does that. Yes. Or, or if you give fever therapy or injection mm. with bacteria, increasing a natural immune response, it's non-specific. But what it would do, of course, it would just send the immune system into overdrive and any tumours and cancer cells would get whacked by yes. it, you know. Which is really interesting because at that time it was quite controversial, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it? absolutely. Um, it was considered quackery. Yes, and I not. remember reading something about you and, and then when you came back to England it was very hard to get the medicines over here, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, well, it was Australia, actually. Oh, was it Australia? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. and... Um, I'd worked with the government beforehand too. It was another part of my sort of history. And um, I'd brought back a suitcase of biological preparations from Germany and I declared it to the customs guys because I used to work with them at one stage. (laughs) And uh, they jumped up and down all over the place and they saw all the ampules and injectables. And... Fortunately, I asked who was the duty doctor at the time, and it was a doctor I knew. Amazing. I'd worked with. So I said, call him over. And he came over, so what are you doing here, you know? And I told him, I said, uh, I've got all this stuff. And he said, what the hell's all that? And I sort of gave him a little bit, and he said, oh, so you want me to sign it off, do you? And I said, well, oh, I'd appreciate it if you would. <laughs> and he did. Amazing. Wonderful. Yes. I got in. And, you know, one thing led to another and I was on national TV and mm. stuff like that because they interviewed me before I went to Germany. I was skinny, pale, yes. looking amazing. What type of cancer was it? It was melanoma and it was mm. uh, stage three when I was diagnosed. Which not many people have long-term survival from, do they? Well, melanoma is a very aggressive mm. cancer. It's like pancreatic cancer. Yes. You know, the yeah. life expectancy, generally speaking, when it's spread is short. And mine had gone into my lymphatic system, mm. so, you, you know, 99% yeah. mortality rate within yes. two years. So um, anyway, I responded very well to the treatment, fortunately, because uh, melanomas tend to be mm. very immunoresponsive. Mm. Good luck for me, that was. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I responded well to it and I ended up working at the hospital for three and a half years which was good because the booster treatments I got for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to pay for. Yeah. So there was an upside. But it was good also. Um, you could not gain that experience anywhere, really. I mean, it was just one of those fluke things about circumstance mm. took me into that position. Yes. 
I ended up doing stuff that I really wanted to do What I as a young kid, mm. you know. Uh, it was kind of crazy, really. And seeing people get well, not all of them did, unfortunately. Mm. A lot of them died because mm. everyone who came there was a terminal patient. Mm. But we had some quite stunning responses at mm. times. You know, people with very advanced tumours respond to the immunotherapy program and the hypothermia and... It's quite something, isn't it? Yeah. And And it sort of, it has come around in a full circle now, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, hypothermia is not quackery at all. No, and immunotherapy. So then. Yes, absolutely. And and immunotherapy is is really up and coming, isn't it? Well, of course, now they say it's far more sophisticated and all that stuff was, you know, very well. You have to start start somewhere. somewhere. Absolutely. And Professor Franz Gerlach was the head of the microbiology department. And Franz Gerlach was a very respected, world renowned Mm. medical microbiologist. And he was in charge of the uh, vaccine laboratory and he was a fantastic scientist, Mm. you know, and um, learned a lot from him, Mm. just observing him and listening to him and and meeting people like Professor Werner Zabel, who had the distinction of being Adolf Hitler's one of his physicians, Mm. but he was a great oncologist and a very intelligent man. He was a biological medical scientist, you know. Yes. He had a brain that was different than most. Mm. So, you know, rubbing shoulders with these people was... Quite a privilege, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. you know. So that really sparked your interest even more, I'm sure. It did, and um, I don't think I should say this on uh, recording, but I used to be a fan of Cliff Richards when I was younger. And, of course, Cliff was always that Peter Pan of pop. Yes, absolutely. And, yeah. and he had a fascination with keeping young. Yes. For obvious reasons, mm. because of the job he had. And I used to say to people, you know, oh, I want to be a Cliff Richard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never get old. So it just sort of went from there, really. Yes. And yeah. Then when I started up... Uh, healthcare company, mm. it gave me the ability to sort of experiment mm. more. Mm. We set up a manufacturing company as well with a laboratory and a medical doctor in charge of it and, and what have you. So, yeah, expanded from there from a very young age mm. as a young kid with this sort of crazy obsession to where I am now. Yeah, which is so interesting. But I think when people think about the term anti-aging there's a lot of people that just think it's about looks and appearance so there's quite a few people that will have anti-aging treatments but that's really cosmetic treatments isn't it about this it is about how they look but that's not really what you're looking at is it no no in the book I actually make reference to this it's sort of like a mechanical approach to a Mm. biological problem yes aging is a biological phenomenon It starts within, it's a collection of your genetic material, your lifestyle and everything else and, you know, how you accelerate your ageing process. You can influence it. Mm. And there are many ways you can influence that, dietetically and, you know, supplements and, you know, biological treatments and et cetera. I'm not against a superficial treatment personally. You know, I think if a person has a facelift, Mm. the ideal thing is that they should follow it up with an anti-aging biological yes. program yes. to maintain the benefit of that yeah. longer. Yeah. Because a lot of these things, you know, got a shelf life. Yeah. Your facelift gives out on you after a few years and you're back there again and things don't yeah. look as good second time round. Well, this is the thing. And I think, <laughs> but it's also, like you say, it's looking 
within, isn't it? And yes, um, looking at what we can and can't modify, we can't modify our genetic profile, but we can influence. Sort of, yeah, influence yes, absolutely, and we can influence it by the way we decide to live our life as well, can't yeah. we? Which is really important. And when we're talking also about anti-aging, it's not just about looking younger and feeling younger, but it's also about preventing disease, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and that's the main thrust. That's what's where really important. From. You know, we can sort of joke and laugh about how people look and how mm. tight their skin is. But actually, if we can prevent disease and, you know, as doctors, we're very much trained or I was very much trained is this is the disease this is a treatment, yes. give this treatment, the disease will improve or will be maintained. But actually, there's so much more now about preventative, you know, and wouldn't it be nice to prevent so many more diseases? And, oh, absolutely. Um, we know even with cancers, now the, the commonest cause of cancer is obesity. I think obesity has overtaken smoking, which is shocking, isn't it? Terrible. Um, really shocking, and I'm not even going to talk about it because I won't stop talking about it, but the way that some of the food industries have influenced that and are influencing us in such a huge way is really outrageous. But we need to start thinking about anti aging disease prevention before we get old before we get yes. disease don't we a- absolutely the younger you can do it i mean yeah. i was 29 when mm. i was diagnosed with cancer yes and cancer is a disease of old age yes. so that's an accelerated yes. situation yeah. i was aging prematurely mm. Mm. you know if you look at it in biological terms i was getting old before my time yes yeah you know and the cancer was a manifestation yes. of that yeah. Phenomena. Yeah. So the anti-aging thing really is about disease prevention. Mm. So what are the main things do you think that we could do to our lifestyle to try and reduce aging? Well, I'm very keen on fasting. Of course, it was once considered faddish or quackery even, you know. But the reality is humans have always had the ability to go for periods of time without food i mean you know we evolved that mechanism it's a survival mechanism for times of scarcity absolutely you know yeah so we have that mechanism Mm. also when we're ill the body uses a lot of energy to digest food and break it down and Mm. dispose of it and so on when you go on a fast your body's got the ability to convert its attention to the problem yeah, uh, it's not very scientific this uh, explanation, no. but but is, that's there, what more, it does. is there more repairing that goes on in our it cells? It is. It accelerates yes. repair, and you can see things in blood chemistry, for example. If you know people's uh, ESL levels change, their white blood cell count changes, and so forth and so forth, and uh, you can notice things like skin conditions start to clear up. Okay, that's really interesting. Yeah, as well. So I've done a a bit of that over the years after I had the cancer, you know, as a a preventative, really, to try Mm. and reduce the recurrence because, you know, one of the problems with melanoma is it can come back 30 years later and it can be related to the original. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So always on guard as far Mm. as that. And it's, it's quite a vogue now, isn't it, to have time-restricted eating. So, yep, absolutely. Um, and for people who are trying to lose weight, trying to reduce the surge of insulin, it, yep. it can be really good. And it does make sense. You know, some people well, skip breakfast, some people have an early evening meal. But yep. I think yeah, having... I do all of that. Yeah, which is great. I do too. But having time where you're not eating, because we're yeah. constantly a snacking nation, aren't we? Wherever you go out, 
the shops are empty but the cafes are full yep. and it always amazes me that it's three in the afternoon or ten in the morning and people are having full-blown meals and yeah. I'm thinking gosh it's not a meal time and yeah absolutely well yeah. humans prefer a simple diet mm. an uncomplicated yes. diet you know complex feeding constant feeding overeating is the cause of a lot of problems absolutely you know cancer yeah. is a disease of excess you know mm. as well mm. so certainly looking at looking at that simplifying our food as well so yeah, changing yeah. and and there are things you can take orally which have been proven in a laboratory but also in some human studies to affect or modulate various uh, longevity markers in the mm-hmm. body you know we know about timer and all that sort of thing you know lengthening those and improving your longevity and so there are ways of doing it dietetically without toxic side effects yes yeah because one of the things is you've got to be very careful in the quest for longevity that you don't also increase the longevity of a cancer cell absolutely because that is one of the problems that no one talks about Mm. really in the anti-aging business is that some of these things that you can give, I won't name them, Mm. but there's some of them, whilst they may affect positively the longevity markers, they also have a dualistic effect or biphasic effect and uh, extend the life of a cancer cell. So you can make it immortal, immortalise the cancer cell. That isn't what you want. No. So... You know, just taking a whole bunch of stuff that you read about and everything else can do more harm Mm. than good. It's like taking excessive antioxidants. Yes. You know, free radicals that we produce, which are linked with ageing, are also a protective mechanism. Yes. We need them. And chemotherapy works partially by the cytotoxic effect, Mm. but by causing a burst of free radicals Mm. at the cancer cell, which bumps it off, kills it. Now, if you're taking loads of antioxidants, which some people do, particularly Americans, you actually dampen down the benefit. Very interesting. And you also dampen down your body's natural defense mechanism as well. Which you know, is the opposite. You want to boost your ab- natural ab- defense mechanism. Absolutely. Don't you? Yeah. 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 And so there's a threshold. Mm. Where does that sit? How do you make a tablet or a product that you can take that everyone on the street can take, that you know is going to be within that reference range. And that's the difficulty. Yes. Anyone can put a whole bunch of stuff together mm. on a tablet. But knowing the upper and lower reference range in which these things operate in biochemically and physiologically to affect a, a yes. biological outcome yeah. is very, very difficult. It's not easy to do. No. And I've had, you know, 40-odd years of running a business, doing just that sort of thing, and, and even still today, you know. Still hard. So there isn't any anti-ageing supplement that we could go and buy and safely take? At the moment, I think there are a lot of things around that make yeah. claims for it and all mm. the rest. Um, I'm not saying they're dangerous. I'm not saying they don't no. help or anything like that. But I think that. it's the same with any supplements, isn't it? It's being yeah. really careful yeah. what it is, what claims have been made, because often they're, yep. they're not based on good data but it's also seeing not just what they contain but how much of whatever they contain and I think for me when I prescribe a medication because it's regulated yes we know what it is and I can give you this 
two of the same prescription and it will have identical in. Whereas the more I learn sometimes about food supplements yeah. is you could buy the same package two months apart and they might have different contents. So you have to be really careful, don't you? Yeah, quality control is a mm. big issue and, you know, there are a lot of good companies around. I mean, Absolutely. I, I use a competitor's products personally, you yes. know. I don't yes. have a problem with that and I trust them and uh, yeah. quality is good. Interesting thing is I've said this for years and because, you know, I'm in the industry that I'm in, I used to be criticised by the competitors by being too anti-supplement. Mm. I wasn't anti-supplement, but it was the use of them and where to use them and the timing of the yes. use of them and the situation to use them in. Because I, I see over-supplementation as the same as overeating. Mm. It has the same stimulatory effect, and this is what a lot of these people don't understand. Yes. You take this stuff in excess, and they say, oh, it's water-soluble, your body flushes it out. Yeah, but it's got to go through a process yes. before that happens. Mm. And that's the time in between is what we don't understand. Yeah. And there are some of these things that can increase, you know, take very large doses of vitamin B6, that can increase, accelerate the growth of some tumours. Mm. I've seen that, saw that in Germany mm. when I was working in a laboratory situation in a hospital mm. where women were in there and had menopausal symptoms and yes. were taking B6 yeah. as a diuretic and so on yeah. uh, in very large doses and their tumours were rampant, you know, get them off the stuff, yeah. and, you know. Which I think is really, I mean, it's, it's really interesting, but it's also very worrying for me as a doctor because, as you know, all I do is menopause work. And as you also mm. know, is there's a big resistance to women receiving HRT and a lot of doctors are resistant to prescribe it. So women are scrambling to get help and they're going often to um, try and get supplements. And they'll, when I ask women in my clinic what they take and they say, no, we don't take any medicine. So I always ask, do you take any supplements mm. or medicines? Oh, yes. And they go through this Herbal list. remedies. Yeah. yeah. And they say, well, they're all natural. Well, you know, they're the not... Snake venom is natural Precisely, as well. yeah. <laughs> um, but they often have a multivitamin and then a vitamin B complex and then a vitamin something else and a vitamin... And so when you look it's at the ingredients, care. they're getting far too many. And yeah. just the naive part of me is thinking, well, they're spending too much money. They should be going on a holiday and enjoying their lives. Because <laughs> these things are expensive, aren't they? And, yeah, and then you look at the potential for harm for some of these products and that's what worries me as well yeah absolutely agree and here's a point i made this to my co-author the book who's a journalist a health writer mm. in american roberts heard this before if antioxidant consumption lived up to all the claims made for it why is it the incidence of cancer and heart disease in america is still on the increase because the biggest consumers of antioxidants yeah. are the Americans yes. and they take them in bucket loads. Yeah. Which is so right. interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And I've said this to many people in the yeah. industry and they don't like it because they say, heretic, you're a quack. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's that safety threshold. Again, yes. these things definitely have a biological effect. Mm. They have a biochemical effect. Mm. So... You know, you would expect them to have some sort of side effect yeah. if you take them in excess. Yes, and I think even in a simplistic way, if you look at 
red wine, for example, we know having a small You're amount... You're going to tell of, me there's a problem. Well, a small <laughs> amount is good, isn't it? Well, there's lots of reasons. Yeah, and But obviously, if you have too much, then there's... Problem. And it's the same with any excess, isn't it? Yes. It's, it's in moderation. And it's overdone, isn't it? People say, oh, you know, everything in moderation. Or yeah. Don't, it, it yeah. But it is true. Mm. I mean, you know, you can't say it enough. Yeah. So we know diet's good, maybe some supplements, depending, but choose really Yeah, and exercise and movement. Exercise, movement's really good. Yeah, your lymphatic glands uh, require movement. And, you know, if they get all clogged up and stodgy. Yeah, no, that's really good because it's good for our, obviously, our heart, our cardiovascular system, but we don't think about lymphatics, do we? People don't. People often don't even know our lymph glands are there. It's part of your immune system. It's really important, isn't it? So to have healthy immunity is really key. Sleep is really important, isn't uh, it? Very, yeah. Um, Something I never do and I haven't done for... <laughs> yeah, but it's really... I mean, most, follow my own advice. Most women that I see, when their hormones change, they really struggle with sleep. It's one of the first things that they find with doing their perimenopause and menopause, but they often don't associate it with a lack of hormones. But we know that poor sleep is associated with the risk of cancer, yes. heart disease, yep. diabetes, depression. and it, Neurological problems. Yes. And actually, we were saying about repair, when we're sleeping, that's when our body does a lot of repair Absolutely. as well, doesn't it? Yeah, two o'clock so, in the morning to five. Yeah, so that's the really key. And a lot of women I speak to, waking in the early hours, then they're going downstairs, having a snack, because they're, you know, and then that's, they're not having the fasting, they're not having the sleep or the rest. It's really compounding. So before we finish, you mentioned a couple of times about your book. Tell me a bit about the book that you've nearly finished writing. Uh, I'll plug the book. It's called Age Well, Age Less. (laughs) Age Well, Age Less. Brilliant. (laughs) And it's really designed to uh, provide information. A lot of what I was talking about before was really Mm -hmm. disease prevention. Yes but also coming at it from the anti-aging angle. Mm. The interesting thing is those compounds that you can use to help influence the ageing process also influence the immune system Mm. and disease prevention. So they sort of work in tandem. And it's knowing how to sort of get that they side by side as Mm. opposed to out of step, Mm. you know. Mm. I see ageing. Premature aging everywhere I go now. You see young guys in their 20s, mm. they're balding, they've got lines on their forehead, mm. <laughs> and, and they've got all these sort of telltale signs. You know, more of them are wearing glasses, mm. aches and pains. They're actually getting diseases of old age. I mean, arthritis in 14 year olds, mm. that was always a disease yes. of old age. Yeah. Well, and diabetes. Diabetes. Type 2 diabetes. All over the place, isn't yeah. it? You know? yeah. And this is all, I think, an expression of accelerated aging. Mm. And so the way to reduce that or prevent it or push back against mm. it is adopting an anti aging lifestyle. Mm which happens to be a disease-preventative lifestyle yeah. as well, yeah. side by side. And um, you'd need to read the book, really, to understand. But yeah. there's a lot of stuff in there that I think, I would say, I haven't seen written about before. Mm. Well, I'm really yeah. looking forward to When's it coming out? <laughs> it depends on my co-author, <laughs> who's actually the writer. Yes. I put all the experience and all the mm. bullet points together and he's putting it into English. 
As you can tell, I don't speak English. <laughs> so it's something to watch for, and certainly when it's out, I will post about it on, through social media and on my website because it's so important. I think it's not just about how long we live, but it's how we live and how we choose to live and how we can prevent disease yeah. is just so important. It yeah. really is. It, it, it's exactly that. And, you know, some people are lucky they've got great genes, they mm. can abuse their body like yes. crazy, you know. And I've met people like that. I used to. Yeah. The guys have played in rock and roll bands with, you know, they should yeah. have been dead at yeah. 20. Yes, <laughs> well, we've, we've seen it, but then it unfortunately that can catch up with people. And, and also, you know, not all disease is due to lifestyle and not all no. cancers are due to lifestyle either, but there's a lot that right. we can prevent and do. So I think thinking more and trying to think earlier and certainly with a lot of the work that I'm doing is trying to get people to think about their hormones and changing hormones early because we know that certainly oestrogen and possibly testosterone in women are anti-aging as well there's a lot of disease prevention heart disease osteoporosis diabetes so it all goes hand in hand so but it's been really enlightening listening to your story and I Mm. think it's incredible and I look forward to reading your book so just before we finish I'm throwing this out at you without any warning but I usually ask for three take-home tips so are you able to just give three very simple tips to help with disease prevention and anti-aging look everyone goes on about stress being uh, the cause you know it it is an issue Mm. it definitely is some people can handle stress better than others I was never into meditation or any of that stuff. When I was diagnosed, I had a a friend of mine who was a veterinary scientist. Uh, We we were both diagnosed with cancer within a month of Mm. each other. And he went the route of sort of deep meditation and the more esoteric stuff Mm. and everything else. And he's still alive today and he's done very well on it. And he used to say to me, you should uh, try and... Slow down, John. He said, you're running 100 miles an hour. He said, I've never seen anyone run around as much as you do. And I said, no, I haven't got time for that. (laughs) (laughs) But over the years, I've come around more to his way of thinking as well about that. I think stress management is definitely... Absolutely, yeah. You know, for everyone in high-powered jobs, Mm. you know, stress, the elevated cortisol, Mm. immunosuppressive effect of that... It leaves you open to cancer, it leaves you open to everything, yeah. heart disease in particular. Mm. So managing your stress, mm. definitely. Finding time somewhere in your day mm. to just have a quiet spell. Certainly on the diet, but don't complicate your diet. People eat like they're at a smorgasbord, you yes. know? Yeah. They read a book on health. Yeah. And it says, you know, you should eat broccoli, you should eat this, you should eat that. And so they stuff it all into mm. one meal. Mm. And that isn't how the body works. The body can't handle that. It likes simplified feeding. Mm. So keep it simple Mm. and don't overeat. And things quite often follow quite, you know, nicely. Obviously, if you've got a pre-existing medical condition like diabetes and thyroid problems and so forth, you know, you've got to take that into account. And also periodic fasting, Mm. you know, water fasting. When I say fasting, I don't mean juice diets. Absolutely. All right? Yeah. These people say, you know, go on a juice fast. It's not a fast, that's a juice diet. Yes. Fasting is the exclusion of all food Mm. bar water Mm. and rest. So I guess simplified diet. Yes. But make sure what you eat is nutrient-dense. 
Make every mouthful count. Really. Yeah, and the stress management. And certainly uh, time for walking. Robert does every day. Yeah. He goes walking with his dog. Yeah. I spend my time running backwards and forwards between the kitchen and my uh, uh, writing the book. You know, yeah. that's my exercise. Yeah. But I think it is, isn't it? Movement's very yeah, important. Yeah, so movement, rest, careful. As Dr Issels yeah. said famously, go climb a mountain. And when the BBC made the documentary about his work, the thing that they all found fascinating was that Issels had all of his cancer patients that were able to mm. walk out walking in the hills and the brilliant behind the clinic, the hospital. Yeah, really important. So, well, thank you ever so much for agreeing to record today because it's been really fascinating and interesting. So thanks very much. Well, if I'd been prepared for it, I would have been better. Oh, no, it's brilliant. So thank you very much. Thank you. You're welcome, Louise. For more information about the menopause, please visit our website, www.menopausedoctor.com. Co.uk.